it is a joy to be a part of His local church, to be, to be named among the saints, to be a part of His family. And I'm grateful. If you want to be turning this morning in the text, and again, those of you who have sat under my preaching for 14 years, you know that this has been a little different. But this is my heart. And uh, sometimes as a only a pastor under, understands that sometimes, but uh, I'm just uh, I'm scared, but I'm but I'm so encouraged. And so looking forward to this body of believers, as was prayed, along with others who God will reclaim, worshiping Him and adoring Him until we see Him face to face. It is my conviction that these young people who stood in front of you and sang this morning will not survive without a strong local church. That is my conviction. As a matter of fact, you and I are not going to survive without it. Why do I say that? Because the Lord gave that to us. And we're going to see that in Scripture this morning. If you want to be turning to 1 Corinthians, I'm going to be there in just a moment. Chapter 14. I think all of us understand, all of us know the, individual, the individualism mentality that is so dominant of our culture. Uh, we've been preaching about that on Sunday evenings out of Timothy on the love of self. And I think that individualism mentality plays a part in why church membership is no longer valued. I have not personally spoken to the 300 plus members of our church who no longer attend, but I think it's safe to say that you would be hard-pressed if you did speak to them to find one of them who would deny the existence of God I doubt if you would find any of them who would deny the deity of Christ. Or I doubt if any of them would say, West Lenore Baptist Church doesn't need to even exist. I doubt if you would hear that from any of them. Then the question is, why have people chosen to no longer value what, we're, what we have here this morning? Church membership has been on the decline for years, for decades. There are some people who still want a surface relationship with the church, but that generation will be gone with my generation. When my generation dies, most people won't even feel any guilt by not being associated with the church. There's a, there's a portion of my generation who, out of respect for their parents and grandparents, still 
want to be connected somewhat to a church, but you get beyond my generation, and that does not exist. As I have said to this church many times over the past 14 years, the days of young adults and children coming to church out of loyalty to their parents, those days are gone, and those days will not return. In spite of everything that's working against church membership, the good news is that Scripture and Christ are in favor of it. And the Word of God, as we have seen, calls for believers like you and I to be united with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that call must still be sounded. And that's what I want us to look at for just a few minutes this morning. Now, I know when you look up just a few minutes in my dictionary, that brings panic, but don't seriously. As I've already stated to you, you cannot find anywhere in the 66 books of the Bible, you cannot find a verse that says, Thou shalt join the local church after thou art saved. It's not in there. However, as we've seen in our aerial view of the book of Acts, and as we have seen and can see in other places as we will this morning, being a part of the local church is everywhere assumed in the Word of God. Christian membership is seen in the, nat- the very nature of salvation. Christian church membership is seen in the, in the very commands of Scripture that's given to Christians. There are commands that are given to us that cannot be fulfilled and obeyed unless they're fulfilled and obeyed in the context of being with one another. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. And then we see church membership in the relationship between Christians and their pastors, their overseers, bishops, elders, deacons, all of those New Testament terms. Those speak about relationships that are together. What good is a position of a pastor if there's no church to pastor? What good is the position of an elder or a deacon or a bishop or an overseer What good are those positions and qualifications if there's no one there to oversee, no one there to shepherd, no one there to serve? What would be the purpose of having deacons at this church if there were nobody here to serve? So even the very offices of the local church sound out a message that local church membership is biblical. First of all, And I'm going to read this verse. I think Brady quoted it in his prayer just a moment ago. But first of all, the call to salvation is first and foremost a call to Christ. We know that. However, it is also a call to be a part of the local church. Listen to the words of Peter writing these words to the scattered, persecuted believers of Asia Minor. He writes this in 1 Peter 2.5, Ye also... As lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. In that verse, we find that coming to Jesus is linked to being built up a spiritual house. And that's just one of the many images in the New Testament for the church. When a sinner is saved, Jesus desires to place that sinner in the life connection with other believers, in the local assembly, such as we are here today. In the same way, 
You can read about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 about, be, about the baptism in the Spirit. Whenever you were saved, you were, you were baptized into the same body that was baptized on the day of Pentecost, the spiritual baptism. You was placed in the same body of believers that were there on the day of Pentecost. But here is what I want us to look at this morning. Church membership is implied in the commands given to Christians. And that's where I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul is writing to the Corinthians here to correct them in their doctrinal error regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he is writing to teach them and edify them regarding what should be happening when they gather together as the body of Christ. Look with me at verse 26. Paul said, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Now the problem at Corinth was when these believers, because they misunderstood the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when they came to a meeting like we're in today, then one person would stand up and tell what God had showed them, another person would stand up and do their thing, and it caused division in the body of Christ. And Paul said, how is it that when you come together, everybody has all of these things? And he says in verse 26, let all things be done unto edifying. In other words, as we know from the church at Corinth, what they were doing was promoting themselves as individuals. That's what they were doing. So individualism is not a new thing. It was present in the church at Corinth. And they were doing what they were doing. If they were singing a song, if they were testifying, or if they were sharing a doctrine or, a, or something, a revelation they claimed to have had from God, it was about promoting them and making them look spiritually superior to everyone else. But Paul said that's not the way things are to be done in the body of Christ. When we sing, when we testify, when we praise or whatever we do, it, it is to be to the edifying of the body of Christ. It is to be that all members of the body of Christ be encouraged and be strengthened and be edified. So that's what I want us to look at here for a moment. Look at this word edifying or edify that he mentions in verse 26. Edifying, the last word. It means to build up. It means to promote another's growth in Christian wisdom. Church membership is not about a bunch of people getting together, creating their own club, making their own rules, and say, if you come in here, you'll wear our hat, you will play our flute, you will do like we want you to do, or we're going to excommunicate you. That sounds more like a cult to me than a local church. A local church is a body of baptized believers in Jesus Christ who are meeting together to obey the Lord, to worship and to exalt Him, and to help each other, to edify each other, to build each other up in the faith so that we may all grow in maturity and we may be the kind of Christians that as was mentioned in the prayer a while ago, that when the lost world walks in here, they will want the same Christ that we're singing about and we're preaching about and that we're praying to. The word simply means house building. Paul is commanding the Corinthians to use their spiritual gifts, who they are, to build up and not divide the body of Christ. So Christians, we are here today to edify one another. We're here to build up one another. We are here 
to take each other and through our spiritual gifts and love, we are to expand each other. We are to push each other towards Christ, if you will, to grow and be the kind of Christians that the Lord would have us to be. And the next question is, preacher, how is that accomplished? Well, I'm not going to preach this one this morning, but I want to give you this one. Number one, edification is the main responsibility of the pastor and the church leaders. Listen to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. My main goal here, my main purpose here in being a pastor to you is to edify you, to build you up in the Word of God and to help you complete the house that God is building in your life. That's my main purpose, is to edify and to build you up. I hope you sense that's my purpose in pursuing a renewal of church membership, and a a better understanding of what it is, is so we can be built up in Christ. Now here's the next question. How can I possibly, as your pastor, edify you and help you and help build you up if you are not faithful to gather together with God's people for the preaching and teaching of God's Word? You answer that question. How can I do that? But here's the second one. Edification is the responsibility not only of the pastor and church leaders, it's the responsibility of all of us as Christians. And this is the heart of what I want to leave with you this morning in relation to church membership. Preacher, why? Why why are we doing this? Why church membership? Because it connects us together in a covenant promise to obey what Christ has commanded. And it is impossible to properly edify one another when we fail To gather together. It's impossible. You you can do some things virtually. We found that out. We're in that virtual world. We found that out. And we're going to go more virtual to those things out yonder. But I I want you to understand this morning, there are some things that cannot take place in the local church virtually. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. I understand the message I'm preaching this morning will be heard by people who are not here, and that can be a blessing for people who are shut in and people who are unable to attend. But there are some things in regard to the church that cannot happen virtually. It doesn't matter how virtual our world becomes. The local church must continue to gather together. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, and this is how I'm going to close this message this morning. And this is going to be a miracle, let me go ahead and tell you, because I'm going to read about 20 verses of Scripture and not preach a one of them. So, okay? So if you've ever prayed for a miracle, now's the time to ask God to help with that. But I want you to listen carefully to these New Testament commands, which specifically have the words in the text, one another. Then ask yourself if these commands can be obeyed by a professing Christian who chooses not to assemble with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And then I want you to ask yourself if your Christian life can be edified or built up to fullness and completeness without these things. As we're reading through here, I want you to look at that and say, how can that happen without us being together? And secondly, how how can this help me from my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can this help me to be completed in Jesus Christ? We're just going to look at the Scripture. 
The Holy Spirit, who wrote this, is here today. This is His book, and He will take this word to our hearts. We're going to begin in Romans chapter 12. Now, if you don't want to turn through all those pages, if you want to just jot down the Scriptures, you can go back and look at them, or maybe you just want to listen to them. But listen for the words, one another. And it goes back to the second thing I said this morning. Church membership is implied in the commands given to Christians. In other words, why would God say this to us all these times if we didn't need to be together one with another? And then as you're traveling home today and you might ask again, as maybe you have, why are you doing this? I shared what I was doing a few weeks ago with a pastor friend of mine, and his text back to me was, are you sick? He said, are you suicidal? And he said, are you serious? And I said, yes. And he said, is there a problem? I said, it's only a problem that me and our church family knows about. It's not for anyone else to know about except us. So ask yourself these questions. Romans 12, 5. So we being many are one body in Christ. Again, look for these phrases, one of another or one another. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind one to another. I'm not going to preach, but i got to stop right here. I have never figured out anybody's mind virtually. If you want to blow my mind, I can't figure out text. I can't figure out if somebody's mad or glad. I can't. Be of the same mind one toward another. Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Romans 14, 13, let us not therefore judge one another. Now, I do understand how that happens on virtual. Romans 15, 5, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Romans 15, 7, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish or encourage one another. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, one for another. Now these next two I will make a comment on. 1 Corinthians 16, 20, and then we'll read 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with an holy kiss. When you see that, you're thinking, if he goes that far with church membership, I'm out of here. 
But I want to tell you, our, our culture is so perverted that when you see the word kiss, you automatically think of something that is sinful. Do you know, as best I know, and uh, those of you who know Scripture better than I do, please correct me if I'm wrong. I only know two places in the Bible where the romantic kiss is even recorded. And that's in Proverbs 7.13 and Song of Solomon 4.11 when it talks about the romantic kind of kiss. Everywhere else, kiss is talking about showing affection and brotherly love. So when that verse was given... There's nothing bad about it. And what he's telling us is that we should be showing open affection to one another. We can do that without the actual physical kiss. The principle is the same. Galatians. We're in Galatians for a few verses. Galatians 5 and verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Galatians 5.15 But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Galatians 5.26 Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Go to Ephesians now. And there's other verses that I'm missing, I'm sure. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Ephesians 4 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Ephesians 4 32, and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Ephesians 5.21, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now to the book of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 13, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That has happened to me this morning. Being here. In this service, that has happened to me. I have been admonished. I've been encouraged. I, I have been, I have been strengthened by, by the Word of God and by the spiritual songs and the hymns that we have sang. Can't do that by yourself. First Thessalonians now, chapter three, verse twelve. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, On the heels of their departed loved ones who have died, wherefore comfort, yourself, wherefore comfort one another, 
1 Thessalonians 4.18, with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now in the book of Hebrews for a couple verses. Hebrews 3.13. Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another daily. Exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. This one you probably know best because it's the text verse that preachers use often. But it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now to the book of James for one verse, James 5:16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We'll read a couple in 1 Peter and then a couple in 1 John. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. 1 Peter 4, 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. 1 Peter 4, 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Isn't it interesting today that when somebody is gifted with a, with a spiritual gift or they have an ability or a talent, instead of staying in their local church and using that, they want to go on the road with it. Isn't that interesting? 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Now in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that ye should love one another. 1 John 3, 23. Love one another as He gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 11. We ought also to love one another. 1 John 4, 12. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And then one other in 2 John 1, 5, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And again, I have missed, I'm sure, several. But I go back to what I said, and that's what I want to leave with you this morning. Church membership is implied in these commands. And I ask you this again this morning. I want you to consider this. How can we obey these commands unless we are together? How can we fulfill what God has asked us to do unless we are together? And I think you notice the predominant one that just outweighs the rest of them, outnumbers them, is to love one another. And then to forgive one another, to forbear one another. If I'm never around you in your good days and bad days, there's no way that I can learn that. There's no way that I can do that. But this is what we are to share 
one another. The context of these commands indicate that they were recorded for us in the Word of God to govern our relationship to each other within the church. As you look at this list and go back and read them, I submit to you that if these were obeyed, there would be no church problems. The only problems we might have is like the early church with how to feed the widows or how to get the gospel to different places if we would obey these one another commands. When you and I practice these, they exemplify the love of Christ to a watching world. I was just, I was just taken back a moment ago. Now these men did not know they were going to come up here and pray till just a few minutes before I asked them to come up and pray. And I don't even know if I said to all, I don't even know if all of them knew, but I, I think I told all of them that I wanted them to come up, to come up here. I didn't even tell them they were going to pray, I don't think. But I, I, if you go back and listen, I don't know if these prayers were recorded or not, but if you go back and listen, these men basically in their prayers covered this very stuff that, I was, that I'm reading. If you listen to it. And that happens when our hearts are right toward God. When we practice these, we exemplify the love of Christ to a watching world. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then we edify the body of Christ. Romans 14, 19. Romans 5, 2. That is why church membership is so very, very important. I guess I'm having to learn to give up a lot of things. I guess I'm going to have to give them up. Culture is going to take certain things away. Uh, will good service ever come back to anything anymore? I, I have no idea. We were spoiled to that, weren't we? I, I don't know if that will ever come back. Uh, a lot of things that's gone. And it's not just because of the past two years. A lot of those things were on life support anyway. People just become very individualistic and just said, I'm done with it. But what I've read to you this morning cannot cease to be and will never cease to be because until Christ returns for His church, there will always be a remnant of people called the local church that will be commanded to meet together and to fulfill these commands that I've read. And I want to go on record again this morning as saying, I want Western North Baptist Church and myself to be a part of that. Amen? Because that is what Christ has called us to do. So we're in a day of powerful cultural individualism. Church, we have a great opportunity. A great opportunity. And as your pastor, I want to say this morning with conviction, I think we have a final opportunity to practice church membership biblically if we fumble here there will be no recovery there will be no recovery you say did the Lord tell you to say that to me no he did not I'm telling you from my perspective as a pastor we have a great opportunity and I think a final opportunity and by God's grace I think it's going to be accomplished to his honor and glory it's not going to be easy it will irritate your comfort zones. It will require much prayer, much patience, and it will require love for one another and for those who say they are a part of us but never meet with us 
It's going to require a love for them like we've never had before. But I want to leave this verse with you before I pray and we close. 2 Timothy 2.1 Paul said to Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's enough grace to get this done. And there's enough strength to get this done. And I trust this morning that you will join with me in prayer that you will call the names of these individuals and these men and all of us here, that we will pray one for another. But let's start at home and ask ourselves, Lord, could I possibly live in life as a Christian without having all those one another's? My answer is no. I need the body of believers. I need you. I need you to admonish me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to help me, to teach me. I need you to be a part of my life. I need you to comfort me when I'm grieved and when I'm broken. I need that. And God knew I needed that. That's why He put me in the family of God. God only had one son. And you know where God put him when He put him on earth? He put him in a family. And God only has one bride, and that's His church. And when He saved you, that's where He put you. So you could find the help you needed through that body of Christ. As I stand here this morning, I had a lot more I wanted to say, but I want to remind you before I pray and we, look and we leave, 40%, 40% of people who are members of this church do not attend. 40%, between 39 and 40% do not attend ever, ever, do not attend. If you go home today and wake up in the morning and about 60, 59 or 60 percent of your body is not working, I imagine you'll be in the ER or the ICU pretty quickly. This is a major thing for us. But I know the one who can heal. Amen? I know the one who can save and who can restore. And let's begin this by admitting we wouldn't be here were it not for the grace of God. Don't tell me you've never been down to the gate and thought about not coming back wherever you went to church. The only reason we're here today is because of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love. Let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I want to thank you this morning for this time together. Lord, although the word has been scattered and a message was not expounded per se, Lord, I have shared my heart again with this congregation, with those that I love with those that you have placed me over at this time in my life. Lord, you have put us together as you have put these families together. Lord, sitting out here are husbands and wives who've been together for decades. And sitting around them is family and their children who in the weeks and months and years to come will, will make choices and be married and choose careers and go places and do things. And Lord, we cannot, we cannot survive without the local church. You have placed it here for us. You have placed her here for our edification and for our admonition, for our correction, for our being subject to. You've given us leaders. You've given us pastors and teachers and shepherds and, 
and elders and deacons to serve us and people to come alongside and help us. You've given people to stand beside our graves and pray with us and put their arms around us and comfort us when we don't understand. You've given us people just to embrace and shake their hands and hug and just give a look and a thumbs up or a nod of admonition. You've given us all of that that we need in Christ through your church. So I pray this morning in my own heart that you would work a work of repentance and revival and renewal and a refreshing and help us, Lord. Bless these men and these others that will help in the days to come. Uh, Lord, give them grace for their work. Uh, help me not to dictate. Help me not to, uh, to overshadow, but help me to be willing to watch you use their spiritual gifts in putting this all together, that you may be glorified. And Lord, I cannot speak for every member of this church, but I do speak for as many as shares the same thought. I want to tell you, from my heart and from this congregation, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, whatever's going on in other churches and around the world, Lord, we need help this morning. And I ask you to send it. And help us, Father, to be humble before you and to be thankful. And Lord, may you be glorified in everything that's done. Thank you for every soul you've ever saved here, for every believer that has ever made up a part of this church or is a part of it now. Thank you and help us all to be biblical church members when we stand before you and see you face to face. I bless your name and thank you again for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.